0: To tighten that heart trophy race, uh, race, and that. Yeah,
1: just say, just say, heart trophy race. Okay, three times fast. Heart trophy race. Heart
0: trophy race. Heart trophy
1: race. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Leafs Fans and Hostile Lands, the uh, podcast where we talk about leaf games, even though sometimes we just don't want to. It was a bit of an up, bit of an up and down week this week uh, in Toronto. Kind of saw the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. So, getting back to us, we'll start with the first game of the week. Going back almost about a week ago now, um, yep, yep. Toronto hosted the Arizona Coyotes in Toronto,
0: and and we figured we'd be fine here. Like <laughs> it's Arizona, see, you're su- right?
1: You're such an optimist. as soon as I see Arizona's coming into town, I go, "Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a loss."
0: but you've been trained by the Leafs to I understand that they will be beaten by the worst possible teams that come to town or hey, the evi- where they go doesn't matter evidence
1: this season has shown that
0: the the one good takeaway that i brought from this game is that they kind of reinforced what happened against seattle in that they got down by a couple goals at the start of the game i think you know midway through the second it was 2 to 1 or something like that or 4 to 1 and they came back and actually made it to overtime forcing that point. So they did
1: get the point. That is a good point.
0: They got the point, which, you know, in my little tiny hockey world kept them tied with Calgary, which (laughs) they're now ahead of Calgary, so I'm happy. But the ability to come back and not get too down after Morazic's showing after defensive breakdowns, it's it's a step in the right directions for playoff habits for me.
1: Now let's talk about those things that you mentioned. So defensive breakdowns, did you think that the defense actually do you think that they were the problem at that game?
0: I don't think it, they were necessarily the problem in that game. I think there were a couple looks on Morassic that just shouldn't have happened. There were a couple goals on Morassic, though, that also shouldn't have happened on Morassic's yeah, yeah, side. Yeah. So it was a bit of a combination. But I, I, the first period just kind of lacked in intensity, where they usually come out strong. True. They weren't able to make that happen this time. And, you know, the key players weren't really doing anything. Like, if you look at the, the scoring sheet, Kerfoot and Engel are on there. And that's great, but, you know, they're not the the ones scoring all the time. So there's no Marner stuff going on there. Bunting was quiet. They got some assists, but I think it was just kind of an all-around slow start for them. And then as they ramped up and realized they're going to lose to Arizona, they kicked it into high gear a bit.
1: Now, before they even got a chance to kick it into high gear there, uh, it seems like Peter Murazik kind of dug them a bit of a hole with those first two goals. Yeah. Uh, the first one where he tried to just block it off into the corner or drops right dead in front of him. The, that one you would say is on him. Um, the one where he was way out of the crease and he has diving back in that slow roller. Maybe you put that one on him. Now it seems like it's another game where the goaltending has just made it almost impossible to tell how the rest of the team is even playing. Because yeah. anytime the puck's coming in, like, you don't even have a chance to, you know, see what the defense is doing. If everything's going in, the team is playing so differently in front of them.
0: You know, I can't fault Schalgren for the, the game-winning goal. So, I, That's a good point. Schalgren did come was... in
1: that game yeah. in relief and didn't allow anything in the, what, the second half of regulation, essentially. And had one amazing save there in overtime.
0: Yeah, he let one let... in, but, you know, that's okay. That's well, okay. we'll talk about we'll that one it- that was
1: let in. Do you, uh, how are you feeling a couple of days out after the, the non call on Austin Matthews? Are you still feeling the same sense of rage that he was feeling that night and I was feeling that night? Or now, with a little bit of time, are you feeling, uh, you know, calm down a little bit? It
0: still bugs me. It, it still does, bugs doesn't me it? that, yeah, it, it gnaws at me that the calls can or can't be made to decide a game. Like, so. There's two kind of very different schools of thought in overtime, depending on which officiating grouping you get. There's no calls ever. Doesn't matter what you do. You take your skate off and stab a guy. Everything's fine. This was one of those games. This was one of those games. (laughs) Or every little thing gets called and overtime takes forever. And one team's given a clear advantage. Yeah, you
1: see that more in the playoffs when they'll actually call things because... On that yeah. three on three, it just seems like anything goes. Now, usually you don't even have a chance to have any sort of uh, any sort of penalties unless there's a bit of trips because there's a lot of open space. But that was a pretty blatant call that
0: and you should call every time. Like the ref was watching the hands; He was right so, there. Yeah.
1: And not only that, the linesman was also in his way afterwards, so he had you know both a penalty and the linesman
0: to contend with on that one. Yeah, exactly. So I it still frustrates me. Um, even more because it was a game deciding play.
1: Okay, we'll come back to a little bit more on that. And uh, Austin Matthews and his penalty calls a little bit later. I've oh, buddy, we will. Throw your way. All right. So the next game, we have the much anticipated game in Hamilton with the uh, the Heritage Classic. Sorry, not the Winter Classic. The Heritage Classic. Peter Mrazik gets another start It's the snowy start to the game. And... It, again, pretty weird first period. I think they come out down one nothing. If I'm not mistaken, whereas a one one. I think they're
0: zero zero uh, at the end of the first. Oh, thank you. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's weird first period. We can kind of just chalk that one up to an outdoor game and a lot of weird weather, and things get a little bit off the rails coming into the second. <laughs> Very quickly, we get a you know, forty seconds into the period, we get a, a goal by Toronto, and they immediately allow another one back. Yeah, And from that point on, honestly, Toronto didn't seem to really be in control of that game. They didn't seem to be in control of their own destiny. Like you were saying, they didn't like in the other game, they didn't seem to show the same intensity. Again, you can throw some of these things to being an outdoor game. You know, the ice isn't great. The sun's in your eyes. <laughs> Like it's just cold. It was what, like minus 15 that day. So players aren't going to be playing at their optimum. What do you think about that game? Just in terms of being an outdoor game. Are you still enjoying the outdoor games?
0: So I I, 4 p.m. on a Sunday is not the best time for me to watch hockey because I have two kids and they're running around. Well, one's running around and it's just a little bit of chaos. But from what I watched, it looked like a giant advertisement for NHL, hockey, you know, it, it didn't feel like the old school outdoor games that I used to watch growing up. Well, not growing up, but like used to watch kind of into my really intense hockey watching years. So I kind of got a little bit disenfranchised when it started up and, you know, they came out. I, I get that you're paying tribute to the city of Hamilton and that coming out in steelworkers uniforms is one thing, but like there's so much theatrics involved in it now. I kind of just wanted to yeah. see them play some outdoor hockey, and because there was so much stuff going on between everything, like I got to watch barely anything. Because when I did have free time, it always happened to be during one of those showmanship things. So that was kind of a bummer for me. But um, I, I mean, I still think it's cool to have outdoor games, and of course they're going to try and do what Vegas did and play it up and have a big show about it.
1: I can commend the league for actually trying to make a bit of a show of it. That's one thing this league hasn't really done all that well. Like, this year's yeah. All-Star game wasn't bad. They tried some new things. It was, you know, trying to go back to a bit of the same roots to make it more interesting. That is something this, this league has lacked a lot in the last, you know, while, especially seeing what, like, the NBA does in terms of the, you know, the production that they put on. Um, but you're right. It does seem to be just losing a bit of that mystique. It seems to be a bit more of the advertisement more of a you know a show than an outdoor game just on a you know an outdoor rink yeah thinking back to something like the original heritage classic when they're playing in edmonton yes it was like minus 30 that day but what (laughs) i think of is the brown pads and the toques on top of the goalie helmets yeah things like that are the things that i'm thinking of now let's talk a little bit more about you know getting a little bit farther into the game things did get a little bit heated there were a couple penalties going each way um so the refs didn't completely put the whistles away but then we get to the end of the game matthews gets a real little riled up in front of the net with rasmus dalin and some cross checks are thrown back and forth you know the way i see it i may not be you know this is how i'm seeing it if i'm wrong i'm sorry i see rasmus dalin starting a fight matthews holding his ground dalin not backing down And then things getting escalated. And that is when the penalties are called. Right. Now, that cross check was bad. No, Austin Matthews should not do that. I don't want to see that kind of cross check in the game. What do you think, Dan? Do you think that that was a two game suspension or based on kind of what we've seen in the past? It was that cut maybe a little bit on the heavy side. So
0: I think it's a little bit. On the heavy side, to be honest, I okay. So yes, there has to be a penalty for cross checking to the neck or head area. That that can't be okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe at worst, uh, a game misconduct and throw him out. But to to give a suspension and then not give suspensions to very similar plays in any other. Team in any other realm or situation mm-hmm. bothers the hell out of me. So, well, I think that Matthews should have got something. I, I also agree. I think Dolan kind of instigated it and um, was kind of pushing him around. But to go for the heavy-handed neck cross check is probably not the best way to resolve the problem. But I am frustrated by the uh, ruling by the NHL.
1: Now I'm going back. The first thing I kind of thought of. In terms of cross checks like that, I was thinking of uh, last season when they were playing the uh, the Edmonton Oilers. And I remember Jimmy Vc Gun to a bit of a you know a, a chatting match. I'll say with uh, Alex Chieson of the Edmonton Oilers. Yep. And after the whistle, Chieson came over and gave him a cross check in the side of the head. Now that was after a whistle. That was completely unprovoked. That wasn't during a play. That was a one game suspension. Yeah. So it just. Makes me wonder where they're getting these numbers. Yes, I think it should be a two-game suspension for Matthews. That in in a vacuum, that seems perfectly reasonable. Right. Sure, I'll give it, you it that. A, yep. It was a dangerous play. A stick is a weapon, and using it like that just shouldn't be done. But in terms of the evidence around, you know, the rest of the suspensions they've done in the past, I'm not sure if it really lines up. If Austin Matthews, the league's leading goal scorer, you know, one of the front runners for the Heart Trophy this year could actually win the, this, uh, the points race as well. If he's the one that they want to make an example of and say, this is the new standard that we're going to suspend at. I think that's great. He is a well-known face in the league and be able to point and say nobody else is going to get off after this. Yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. Oh. But at this point, we can o- only time will tell if that will actually happen or we're going to. Be back to seeing $5,000 uh, fines after this point.
0: Okay, so because I was frustrated with this hit uh, a few nights ago, I went down the Twitter rabbit hole, and I was looking at similar plays and similar suspensions and stuff like that. And there was a hit from Edmonston against uh, Simmons. Um, where In the playoffs last year. Yeah, he came in yeah, the full flying speed. The flying cross check, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Yeah, so comes in full that. speed and gets nothing. And so
1: I believe he may have gotten fined sorry, after yeah, the but after no after suspension.
0: Fact. A fine no. whatever. Matthews, I think <laughs> you mentioned if not maybe I will uh gave up $100,000 in salary anyway. 116,000 in total. So that's a, uh you can call that a fine. He chose
1: $5,000 fines for breakfast. Exactly.
0: Like that's what you tip your waiter. Um yeah. But you know, unless officiating is clear year over year and the same like I went through whole bunch of different hits and i was really disappointed to see that the matthews hit wasn't the worst one i saw and certainly got one of the heavier suspensions so i also in my twitter you know death spiral i was in came across a couple conspiracy theories that this is all just to tighten that heart trophy race and to um allow some of the other players to get closer and uh you know compete with matthews and make it a little bit more exciting i hope it's not Oh my god, I hope it's not, because that is not how hockey should be done. But the NHL does everything for views and money, so it's not outlandish. You know,
1: I'd like to believe you that everything the, the league does is for views, but I don't know about that. I don't think they give a shit who's watching the games. I think they just do it for money, and if they, people show up and you know keep paying them to do it, I think that they're happy.
0: Yep. It, in a perfect world, sure. This isn't a perfect tour. OK,
1: so we'll move on to to the next game. So we're into last night's game with the Dallas Stars. And lo and behold, who do we see to get back in net is our new friend, Eric Shalgren, getting his first NHL start after coming in relief in that Arizona game and playing pretty darn well. <laughs> so
0: pretty darn without well knowing, or perfect.
1: <laughs> without knowing how that game ended up, just without thinking of that, how are you feeling going into that game? knowing that Morazik has been, you know, playing at ECHL numbers. Campbell is currently hurt. We don't know what, how long he's been kind of, that's been nagging him. Has that been part of the source of his troubles? I know last year you like to work through injuries. How are you feeling going into that game, knowing that this rookie who has, I think, a 15-8 and something record in the AHL is going to be starting for these Leafs that have Stanley Cup aspirations?
0: I'm I mean, I'm terrified. It's not what you want to see this time of the year. You don't want to see your starting goalie out, and then you don't want to see your backup, who's supposed to be the backup when the first guy's faltering, struggling as well. So I thought they were gonna start Morazic, and I was kind of surprised that they went with Shalgren, but you know, I looked him up and I was like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. If we can continue, like I we mentioned in the last episode, if we can outscore our problems and If goaltending can be less of a factor because we're putting in more pucks on the net, great. Let's keep playing that way. But, I mean, my hopes weren't high. You know, as you mentioned, his record wasn't fantastic. And, um, you know, Dallas is a decent team, so I, I wasn't feeling great about it.
1: Now, one thing about his record down on the Marlies, the Marlies aren't a great team this year.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Most of the... You know, the greatest guys on the Marlies, all the best prospects. A lot of them have been traded off in the past in the last couple years. But so I, I, I'll i give him a little bit of pass on that. He was, I think, I believe he won the champ, a championship in Sweden last year. Mm-hmm. So he does have a bit of a championship pedigree. I know a lot of guys were or a lot of teams were looking to sign chalgren in the offseason. So I'm I'm excited to see what he can do from here. So in that game, he gets gets the shutout. I don't know if we mentioned that. I, I I think it was a pretty impressive display from what I saw. I only caught the sec- second half of the game, but he looked he looked solid. He seemed like he was confident. He didn't seem to be swimming in the net. He didn't have those same kind of, you know, the wild swings like the other guys did. He seemed very calm, very poised and looks like he was ready for the opportunity he was given.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think he was definitely ready for it. well, I mean clearly he was ready. He pulled out a shutout from um a team that we know can score and it was fantastic and I didn't expect that in my wildest dreams, but I was very very happy to see that happen. But I also think it was a combination of a bunch of other things that probably led to that shutout happening. If you look at his highlights, yeah, he he has some fantastic saves and he gets into position when he needs to to make the saves whether they're bouncing back and forth in front of them um, or they're from the point. So he was looking good, but at the same time, the penalty kill was looking really good. They had three power plays that they didn't score on. The Leafs got a power play goal, so that helps also boost some some scoring some yeah. confidence. But then the defense looked different, and they they moved around the defensive lines a bit, and the defense looked a little sharper. There were less mistakes. There were less open shots from uh, the point that were kind of easy line of sight to the goalie, but then they were also doing more blocking. And this is one of those games that the Leafs blocks were almost matching their other team. Like they are always significantly lower. In fact, I was looking at blocks league wide um, right now, and the Leafs are second last behind Carolina, which is kind of surprising. Hmm. Second last for blocks in the league. Like they do not get in front of the net and put their body down as much as other teams do. And that's something that they were doing a little bit more against Dallas. I think it was kind of a let's all come together for this new guy, give him a good game as best as we can. You have that new goalie smell, you're going to make it work. And it all just worked for them. The offense was firing. That's great. That's what we need, but it's what we need every night. The defense clicked and Shalgren had a great game. I think. Couldn't have gone better.
1: Now, I like that you brought up the defense on these ones. It was really nice to see the Sandine lilligren pairing get back together. Mm -hmm. They've shown over the season, at least in limited minutes, that they can be an effective pairing. You know, Lilligren, when he came up, he was kind of touted as an Eric Carlson light. I think he's kind of changed his game. He's become a very good defensive-minded defenseman, which really allows Sandine to... You know, he scored in that game. He was up in the play. He was on the rush. He got that beautiful pass from Marner and then deked out the de- deked out the goalie. Now you can't do that if you don't trust your partner or you don't trust the yep. other guys that yep. are going to be back there for you. And the Riley, Riley, Lebushkin pair, that seems like right now it's going to work.
0: Yes, it does. As long as
1: Muzzin's out and we've got Brody on that second pair are going to be playing left side. I think he is a great guy to, well, at least for now. From what I've seen with Lebushkin on this team, he doesn't seem like he is a liability. And that just might be all that Riley needs. If you think back, God, his I best pair, right. <laughs> his best partner he's ever had was Ryan, Ron Hainsey. And Ron Hainsey was not known for his offensive numbers. He was known as a guy who basically doesn't cross the center line and will just be back there to, to save Riley in case he gets in any sort of situation. I'm thinking Labushkin might actually be that guy. He's shown that he's been strong in front of his own net, and that he can play well in a defensive role. He's yeah. not going to bring up any sort of offensive numbers, but that's why we have Riley. No, you're right. When we get Mus, Muzz- when we get Muzzin back, which we might soon, would you like to see this kind of stuff continue? Try to see is Brody the best guy on Riley's side, or? Are you happy to see, you know, a bit more of that rotation still? We learned that the Sandine doesn't work, but Lilligran looked pretty good beside Riley. Do you want to keep seeing that going forward? Do you want to go back to those pairs that we know and love?
0: Uh, you know, question mark. I I say mix it up right now. Um, Not because it worked for one game, but because what we're doing isn't working. And we know we have a goaltending problem. Well, I mean, all our. You know our savior has come down now in Shalgren, but <laughs> we have a goaltending problem. So if we can't fix goaltending, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, shortly here, we we need to fix defense. Our offense, I maintain, is not a problem. The guys showed on against Dallas that they can rally and score when Matthews isn't there, and even those lines looked great. I mean, the Robertson on the second line looked fantastic. Um, I know he had his brother's motivation, uh, playing against them against Dallas, but. Um, defensively, I think move it around, see what's working. The Riley Labushkin line, I think looks great. I really, I agree. I like Labushkin. I think he's fitting in really nicely with the team. Um, I think so too. Even Hall looked okay. I, I, you know, he looked pretty decent. So move he's around he's been looking good with brody i know i know i hate to, i didn't it, want to say it, it. i didn't know to if you be like oh dan i know it, it seems to be working it does seem to be working yeah. so let's leave that going and you know they can play with that top right and bottom pairing and see what happens um but move it around if we can get some solid goaltending then maybe the defense can fall into place also and get into a bit of a rhythm
1: I really hope Muzzin is healthy, healthy when he comes back. Oh, yeah. Because, geez, that, the defense has actually been looking pretty good since he's been gone. Mm-hmm. And yep, I know we've been kind of ragging on Muzzin this season. I hope that ha, take, maybe he takes a little bit more time off. Maybe they don't keep him out all the way to playoffs. That's fine. I would like to see him get some reps in before the playoffs come in. But I'd rather let him rest mm-hmm. and be healthy and come back the best muzzin that he can be because right now i'm liking what i'm seeing with these defensive pairings
0: yeah and you've got what like a month and a half left until the season's over see who's not working in the time it takes muzzin to get better and cut them out yeah. and bring them back
1: the nice thing about having a guy like brody we can slide him either side yeah,
0: that's true that's one so nice once
1: time. muzzin comes back he's gonna play left side he doesn't play right mm-hmm. But maybe we see a Muzz and Brody pairing. That might also be another, like, I don't know what we, I know we've had Hall sit a lot this season. Mm-hmm. We didn't see Dermot in this game.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That might be something that we see again
0: going forward. Well, you're right. It's definitely Brody moving. I mean, I think Sandin's doing a good job of solidifying himself in the left there. Um, and Riley's obviously not moving. So And
1: Sandin, yeah, Sandin's been playing well. Yep. and. Brody's looked really good on the left. I think it's going to be a really hard time. Make, it's going to be a really de- tough decision when Muzzin goes back as to who's going to come out of the lineup at this point.
0: Do you see a scenario in which Muzzin gets healthy and they choose to continue with the current deal? Like, do you see him not being brought back because things are working so well? Or do you think because of cap space, cap space issues, they have to?
1: If he's healthy and he has to come back on the books, he has to. He has yeah. to be in the lineup yeah. somewhere. I don't think that they can reasonably sit with his five plus million dollar cap on the side. And I think even Muzzin at 70% is worthy of being in this lineup. Yeah. Really at any yeah. time. So That's I don't fair. think unless he's actually having a rough time at any point, maybe I would get him in immediately. And then maybe rest him a couple days down, down the down the line. But I think at this point, you have to bring him back and at least get him some reps. Because there's really only, what, 20 games left this season, I think. Mm-hmm. Something in that area.
0: Yep. What are we at right now? We've played uh, 60. So 22 games. Yeah, 22 games. Okay. Almost done.
1: In six weeks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean things are tightening and the <laughs> trade a lot of
1: hockey coming up.
0: I know, yeah, that's for sure. And the trade deadline is making things even more tight right now, so it's gonna get crazy soon.
1: All right, Dan, do you wanna talk about some some trade stuff or yeah, buddy? Honestly, I think at this point, Dubas is going to do something we're not expecting. I know recently they said he's, they're looking at Middleton. Is that his name? Yep.
0: Yep. In Jacob San Middleton. Jose. Yeah.
1: You know, another big, heavy, hulking guy who's played some top four minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're looking at him as a bit of a, maybe another Yeah. Maybe you know, they can swap those guys out in and out. They seem to be filling a similar role on the team. And that is, especially in the playoffs, those are hard minutes. Using your body all night clearing guys in front of the net. And by having a second one of those guys, that might just be great insurance.
0: That's true. But I mean, for defense with Muzzin coming back, is that like, I, I, sorry, I'm still struggling. He is another left-hand guy too. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm still struggling with the idea of not getting a goalie. And that is a good point. And I know that, you know, Flurry's the one that everyone's talking about right now, but I just don't see it happening. The cost, he controls his own destiny at this point. Well, that too, and the cost is so high for him. How could the Leafs make anything work? I mean, even getting rid of Campbell, but then what do you do? You're stuck with Flurry for a year or the rest of the season, and then you're screwed. So I I still think a goalie is going to, or should happen, because I still, yes, Shalgren had a great night and a good game, a good relief, Portion in the game before but it's not a long-term solution and if Campbell doesn't get back feeling well and in a good headspace I'm worried about where it's going to go so so you know what do you think about that I I have an idea of a a bit of an interesting goalie trade um but I want to know what you think first like where do you think we need to focus our money and strength and energy I think you're right.
1: Goaltending seems at this very moment to be the the biggest deficit on the team. Now, to say that Shalgren is a stopgap and he's not the actual solution, maybe, maybe not. Jordan Bennington was the fourth, fifth string guy for St. Louis when he got called up because of a few injuries, a lot of injuries above him. And he took them all the way to the Stanley Cup.
0: Well, not to say that this is going to. And then he Campbell he took did it that t- last year, so it's possible.
1: Absolutely. And you never know. Like, think back to, like, Tim Thomas. He oh, was yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of nothing up to the age of, what, 32. And all of a sudden, he was the best goalie in the league. He was just unstoppable in the playoffs. And then kind of faded away into obscurity again after that. I haven't heard Sometimes that name he in a while. Ra- <laughs> I know. I miss that guy. I do, too. Yeah. uh, But they... You just never know with goalies if you can get on a hot streak. And I know we only have two games left to see before the trade deadline. But if Shalgren comes back these next two games and his lights out again, would that ease your fears at all? And maybe make you want to have Dubas spend that cap and spend that, you know, that energy somewhere else, or even two more games that just not enough at this point And you just want to see another
0: goalie. I mean, it would have, for me, it would have to be shutouts, two more games of shutouts. If he can do or that. Or darn close. Can, or darn close, like nine, top 900 save percentage. If, if we're going to rely on Shalkern going forward and into what is potentially a, Stanley Cup run, assuming we get past the first round. Do we rely on this rookie goalie to take us deep into the playoffs? Or do we secure somebody now that we know is decent enough to back up Campbell or Morazic, depending on what's going on in their mental world and their play style or their gameplay right now? I think I'd be more comfortable having a more experienced backup right now. Um, than Chalgrin, even though I liked watching him and I loved the outcome.
1: Now, do the Leafs need a lights out goalie like Flurry, or do they just need adequate, somewhere close to league average goalie goaltending to at least get through the rest of the season in a really good spot? Maybe get home ice advantage, or like, can they just ride with someone like and and rely on that great offense that they have. As we've shown, like I believe we named last week's episode, outscoring your problems. They seem to be really good at that this season. Yep. Can you save some of that capital, maybe not get a goalie, hope for, you know, average goaltending, spend that on a forward, and just outscore
0: your problems? I would love to say yes, but I don't think that's a, going into the playoff strategy. I don't think it's a viable strategy going for a playoff, a cup run, potentially. So here, here's my trade idea for a goalie. Um, Instead of getting Flurry, who's the top of the line that we'd be able to get at this point, we go with exactly what you said and go with Anton Forsberg from Ottawa, who has had a pretty yeah. decent year at 9-1-6, which is currently above our goalies. I think it's above Campbell. That's good season. It's a good season. Yeah. He's on a crappy a team sh- on a crappy team. He's cheap at 900,000 and would be a really good stopgap and potentially develop him for a few years because he's a UFA next year. So he might disappear he is a UFA. or we might be able to figure it out. He could
1: resign in Ottawa. Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the possibilities are endless, but don't sign Flurry to a one year, like, three month contract basically use up all that cap yeah. space and then kind of be screwed when he's gone or retires or whatever happens to him. Um and get somebody a little bit younger that can play, that is still playing right now. So he's fresh. He's not playing in the AHL. And have a little bit more confidence in the backup because honestly I've lost confidence in Mirazik. I hate saying that, but he's had a few really negative streaks this year. And I don't want to see yeah. that later in the season. And we're later in the season.
1: And you know what? I think at this point, I don't really care what happens the rest of the season.
0: The yeah. top four yeah, exactly. in the
1: Atlantic is locked.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Toronto, even if they go, you know, five hundred or slightly below, they're not going to get past in the in the Atlantic. Yeah, they're not going to get past in the wild card. Really.
0: Yeah, you're, you're exactly part of right. me.
1: Is almost hoping for them to drop down to a wild card spot to not play Boston or Tampa. Really? Who are likely gonna lock up the 3-4 or 2-3. Yeah. Cause honestly, at this point, if I look at the teams out there and who Toronto might be able to beat, it's it's Florida or it might be Carolina. Now I know I said I don't I don't want <laughs> to see wait, a Freddie buddy. Anderson series, but like they seem to play they play the type of hockey that Toronto seems to play well
0: against. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: Now, Anton Forsberg, I think is a great name. I love that. And Toronto and Ottawa have shown that they are good trade partners. They've made a lot of trades in the past, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to salary cap things and bouncing guys back and forth. I think that is a really good move for someone like Anton Forsberg to come over because honestly, at this point, they need to sign in Ottawa, Forsberg or Gustafson. Exactly. Because they're both coming up. One's in a UFA, one's in RFA. And they've got six and whatever tied up to Matt Murray at this point. So they can't be spending any more money in goaltending. And a guy like Forsberg, I think it's time for them just to trade him, be able to get something for him. And I think the Leafs and Kyle Dubas really should be on the phone all day, every day, trying to make a deal work with uh pierre dorian here in ottawa
0: i i agree i mean the the team is rebuilding um they they're not doing anything this year so they don't have to worry about that they can figure out goaltending midway through next season if they have to they've got cap space so they could hell they could get grab flurry if they wanted to for next year if they could afford it and convince them
1: a, a a pairing of matt murray and uh and
0: flurry and uh <laughs>
1: flurry mark Andre flurry yeah,
0: that'd be hilarious <laughs> what are i think that sounds familiar has it happened before no <laughs> that was uh, pittsburgh oh was it oh yeah oh yeah 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 because murray the yeah, took yeah, over for they
1: traded flurry or they got rid of flurry in the expansion draft so they could keep murray yeah, yeah, yeah and now they've got jari like what is quick what is it with pittsburgh they just seem to be a goaltending
0: you know, well then let's there's let Ottawa have that, them. <laughs> let's let Ottawa yeah. have flurry. But it, for us Jeez, to grab there's them. just a
1: few teams in the league that just seem to always have new goaltending that plays so well for them. Yeah, like Rask, right? I want that. I want that so badly. Well,
0: we almost had it. And then we screwed it up. Well,
1: like, but we're not the New York Rangers who go yeah. from, you know, Mike Vernon to Lundquist to Shisterkin. It's like, how do you have just three Vesna goalies, one after another, another after another? No, it wasn't Mike Vernon; it was Mike Richter. But that's the one. Mike Vernon was in. But
0: they also Pittsburgh, pay for uh, that, and it's showing in their season. Like they're having a pretty good season, goalie wise.
1: Yeah, they just draft really well. Yeah, that's also true. But really, do you have any other names that you want to throw out there for for some trades? Or
0: I mean, for Toronto. Not for me. Uh, sure, it would be fun to sign somebody like Gio or Chikrin or something, but uh, to be fair, I think Arizona would be crazy to get rid of Chikrin because they have... They are crazy. Well, yeah, but they're crazy, but they're also in kind of a desperate position. And if they're going to move forward, you know, they can probably get a pretty good deal for them and use that to keep building. But I, I just... I'm so much more worried about goaltending because of Campbell's ability to go hot and cold. I, I don't really think we should be trade. Well, certainly not a forward, maybe a D. But as you said, like Middleton would be great. But how do we get him and solve the goalie problem at the same time? That would also be relying on Shawl to keep us and, and take us all the way, potentially, or if Mrazic kicks off his negative streak or whatever's happening. Or they do some blockbuster trade where it involves a goalie and a defense, and then Morazic going. But who's going to take Marazic now? Like, he's not top of the trade. Arizona? List. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they took Nick Ritchie. Why, why won't they take the oh, Arizona? Yeah. Well, I don't see it happening, to be honest. But hey, if it does, if Dubas can pull that off, amazing then he is the right man for the job. But really, like, it's it's also tight for Dubas, too, because if he doesn't make the right decision here and the Leafs don't go deep, he might be in trouble, too. So he's kind of under the gun to figure this out as well. And him working with Keep, hopefully they figure out what the Leafs need. But in my opinion, it's a goal 10.
1: All right. So we'll be coming back to you next week after the trade deadline. Uh, we're going to do a a fun in person podcast with the three of us together, yep. and we're going to go over everything that happened during the trade deadline from now until that day. Hopefully, there's going to be a big trade, or we can sit there and commiserate about looking at the same twenty three guys on the Leafs roster that we're looking at today. So let's see how that goes. Now with the goaltending going forward, we sent out to uh, to our social media with uh, your hostile take, our nice new segment. We want to hear your comments. So we asked you to everybody, how many straight starts does Shahlgren get in net going forward? So we got a response here from our old friend, five out of seven. He said, I'm going to say three and then the hype will end. We're up against Carolina <laughs> and Nashville and he's going to get lit up by New Jersey because that's just the most leaf thing that can happen. Yes. He may be biased because he's right. he was part of the Sparks hype train a few years ago. Do you think it's all hype with Schalgren? or do you think that his championship pedigree with uh, back in Sweden, plus a not too bad season with the Marlies and a good start, do you think that's something he can continue on? Do you think he's going to get three starts in a row or do you think we're going to see Marazic back before that New Jersey game?
0: You know, just based on the way Keith was coached, I would be disappointed if he didn't put um, him in for the Carolina game. I think he t- uh, Keith typically rewards when a goalie's earned a start, like the next start. He typically rewards it with that start. So, I think you know you've got Morazic to fall back on if Chagrin has a really terrible start, but
1: it's also Hutchinson.
0: Don't oh, oh, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> Sorry, my my bad. We can always call it Throw him on
1: the TTC and get him over to the ACC. Yeah,
0: of course. Oh God, can you imagine going three years back <laughs> in hockey watching and just hoping it works? Um, I hear there is
1: uh rumors of reimer to Toronto.
0: so do you want to go back oh, like seven man, years? I heard that too. And I, <laughs> as much as it would be fun to watch reimer come back, that's such a Leaf thing to have happen. It's like we're struggling you're the what we can afford bring you back. We're not going to go past the first round, but
1: at the same time, it's almost like the least leaf thing. Cause once you get out of Toronto,
0: you're like, Oh my God, I just don't want to go
1: back to, don't want to go back to that pressure. That's
0: fair. Good point. No, I, I hope uh Schallgren gets the, the start against Carolina. And I agree with five out of seven. I think it would be nice to see a couple games, three, I, the devil's, Lighting up Shogren would be absolutely the most leaf thing to happen. So, you know, maybe hold him for two games and then give him a break and let Mrazic get walked over again. Well, and Canadians, because we're going to lose against them. And then we're going to destroy the Panthers and Bruins and Jets. So, yeah, I think he'll get a couple starts, but I think he absolutely, Shogren deserves the next start against Carolina. What do you think? Do you think he's earned it at this point? a 35 or whatever it was shot shut against Dallas. Is that enough to earn a game against Carolina? He's definitely deserved the next start.
1: And I think with Morazik's play at this point, I would start Shalgren again against Nashville as well. Yep. Nashville has been on a bit of a spiral lately, yep, and that might be a great game to start him against. And then New Jersey, like, uh, like you said, that for him to get lit up is just the most Leafs thing ever. So that might be a game where you throw, you start Mrazik in it. And if things immediately go sideways, you get him out and you get Sheldon back in kind of like what Keith wanted to do in that right. Arizona game. But yeah, I, I think at this point Sheldon is at least earned the next two starts, not only because of his own play, but because of the
0: play of Morazic as well. That's fair. And I think Campbell's back, what the game against the Canadians he should be.
1: Possibly. They said two weeks, but that's, you know, minimum two weeks. So that put him between
0: the Devils and Canadians, maybe Florida on the 27th. Kind of one of those, well, I'll I'll believe it when I see him in net. Right, exactly. I, 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 yeah, I think you're right. Game or two to Shogren and see what happens. I think it'd be fun to watch him play against Carolina. And imagine he plays immaculately and does really, really well, and they get less than one goal. I would be thrilled. I'm not going to say it, though.
1: All right. We were going to talk about uh, about penalties and officiating here tonight as well, but I think we should forego that. We're kind of pushing the end of our time. I mean, it sucks. I'm going to put it one. All it all sucks.
0: It all sucks. Like, what nothing's, the
1: hell? As we were going to name this episode, everything sucks, nothing's working, right? And then, then
0: Shalgren happened, and now and then the Shulgren heavens happened, have opened, so champagne is flowing, doors open, everything's gold.
1: It was definitely, definitely worth waiting one more night to do this podcast to see that game. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It was worth the sacrifice. Very different
1: mood than it would have been after that uh, Buffalo game if we had recorded.
0: <laughs> oh, I, instead of a happy scotch, I would be drinking an angry scotch and everything would have changed.
1: Okay. So I'm just going to throw one more scenario that I thought of today. All right. Hit me. What team does the NHL love more than any other team in the league? Oh, God.
0: Anybody but Toronto. No, there, there's one in particular. There's one in particular? Okay, enlighten me. Bet- we'll call him Bettman's Baby. Batman's Baby.
1: Okay. The Arizona Coyotes. Who gets away with everything in this league? Yeah. The Arizona yeah, that's Coyotes. Fair. That's fair. So, I've seen a lot of talk about Austin Matthews not getting away with anything anymore. That... He doesn't get the calls. He doesn't get, you know, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. And part of that has to go, I, in my mind, as a pessimistic Leafs fan, as being a Leafs player. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Austin Matthews would be more than happy to go to a place like Arizona, knowing that he's going to get all those calls for him going forward? And he might end up being just the, by far the greatest team player in the league. By getting the benefit of the doubt with refs and at the NHL in a place like Arizona.
0: So, would you want to go from Toronto, where everything sucks, to a supercharged Arizona team that gets everything handed to them? Yeah. Yeah, probably. But also, yeah. like, so, so when you asked that question, like I did a little bit of research earlier, and he has had such an impact on the Arizona hockey culture that. I think he would be a lot of fun for him to go back. And even if, you know, it's unlikely he ends his career there, unless he's part of Arizona's grander rebuild plan that will then take them on a cup run, heaven forbid. And and by (laughs) the way... If If they win before Toronto, I'm (laughs) done. If they win with Matthews (laughs) before Toronto, I'm done with hockey. It was fun. Thanks for watching, but I'm done. But I think it would be fun to see him go back to Arizona after a cup win with Toronto so that he could go back to his roots. You know, his, his, um, he also like has family ties, obviously as he grew up there or was uh, playing there. Um, but I think from the hockey community perspective, from the NHL perspective, as you were mentioning, and then from kind of his roots, uh, it'd be a lot of fun for him to go back. So I don't see it as impossible, but I don't see him going back to a team that's struggling. He wants a cup. He's not going to go immediately to a team that's bottom in the standings. So it's tough. I think it's a, a question of when and what's happening with the two teams, Arizona and Toronto.
1: Yeah, I just see as long as Gary Bettman is the commissioner, that might be a smart move career wise to uh, <laughs> to go to Arizona. So. All right, so let's wrap it up here for tonight. we got one more thing. We're going to make a bet. Now we'll send this out to Kyle. Oh, yeah, we haven't mentioned Kyle. Hi, Kyle.
0: Sorry we're yeah, here tonight. Sorry, Kyle
1: is uh, somewhere on a sandy beach sipping Mai Tais uh, with a bunch of uh, people in bikinis, mostly men. I hear yep. one of those resorts down in the, uh, I think, down in the northern Ontario area.
0: That's right. He's living the life right now. Yes, he is. Scotch so we got our, let's make a bet.
1: Air. Yeah, (laughs) or uh, it's a swirling maple syrup in one hand.
0: Right, sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Austin Matthews, as we were just talking about, will be coming back from his suspension against Nashville this week uh, after serving the second game against uh, Carolina. How many points is Austin Matthews going to put up in that game when he comes back from his suspension?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Is he going to be raring to go against Nashville, or does he get shut out because he's coming back? I'm going to say two and a half. No, I, I'm. I'm going to I'll, go the I'm going I'll to say. It. I'm going to say three points. I'm going to say he gets a goal and two assists, and really does a lot of front of the network and plays an impressive game. I think he's going to be pissed.
1: Yes, because I will say. I
0: will
1: say, I'll go a little bit lower and say two. I agree with three, but UC Soros will probably be a net. Oh, I feel like Soros. (laughs) So I'll say that might be two. Right. All right, Kyle, time for you to let us know yours. Please scream it into the ether. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check us out in your favorite social media app. Uh, Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at LFHL podcast. Find us on YouTube. The nice thing about listening to on YouTube, we've got every all of our segments up there with the chapter so you can skip forward to whatever you're looking for, whatever we're talking about that week. And don't forget every every week, follow us on our social medias to get your your comments out there on your hostile take where we'll be talking about your thoughts on the Leafs. All right, Dan, is there anything you want to add before we take off here tonight?
0: I'm good, buddy. Let's hope the Leafs right. make good decisions before the trade deadline. Yeah, buddy. All right. You say it. Go leaves go. Go
1: leaves go?